Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Lori Vallow Daybell's only surviving son takes the stand in her murder trial and wait till you hear what the two talked about on a recorded jailhouse call. Welcome to Sidebar presented by Law and Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. A big witness took the stand in the Lori Vallow Daybell trial. Now, a little recap here. The 49-year-old doomsday mother is currently on trial in Idaho and faces life in prison on first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder charges in connection with the deaths of her children, 7-year-old J.J. Vallow and 16-year-old Tylee Ryan. Their bodies found on the property of her current husband, Chad Daybell. He actually faces similar charges. He's going to be tried separately at a later date. But Lori Vallow Daybell's troubles don't end there because she is also charged with conspiracy to commit murder in the death of Chad's now deceased wife, Tammy Daybell. You see, originally, Tammy's death was thought to be from natural causes that she died in her sleep. But when the kids' bodies were found and her body was exhumed, authorities realized something else was going on. And that is when prosecutors explained at the beginning of this trial that Tammy Daybell actually died from asphyxiation at the hands of another. Now, the theory put forward by prosecutors is that Lori Vallow Daybell did this for several reasons. One, to be with Chad, who she was having an affair with. Two, for financial gain. In other words, obtain the proceeds of Social Security and life insurance benefits when these people died. And three, that she and Chad felt justified through their extreme religious beliefs that there were these dark spirits. There was good versus evil. The kids were possessed. Stuff like that. Okay. So that brings me now to a major witness who took the stand, as I mentioned, Colby Ryan, the 27-year-old surviving son of Lori Vallow Daybell from a previous relationship. He is someone who has spoken out about this case before in interviews. He even wrote a book. By all accounts, he had a very, very close relationship with his sister, Tylee, as well as J.J., Okay, so let's get into some of these significant moments from his testimony. And he explained how he was contacted by the police in November 2019 about his missing siblings. He said when he called his mom to find out what was going on, Lori wouldn't tell him where she was, but that she was moving somewhere, somewhere cold, and that it was dangerous for her to tell anybody where she had gone. He even tried to contact her during Thanksgiving, but her phone was disconnected. And then he tells the jury this. At that time, 
had you had cause to be concerned about Tylee Ryan? Yes. Uh, what gave what gave rise to that concern? My conversations over text with her. Okay, and what was it about your conversations in text with Tylee that gave you concern? When I first texted her, I had followed up with a few different phone calls and FaceTimes. And then the texts I was receiving back were just in different language than how Tylee would type and talk and just the way she used her punctuation and things like that. It was just different. Okay. So was it fair to say you felt like it wasn't Tylee you were speaking with? Yes. So was it perhaps Lori pretending to be Tylee? That's something for the jury to consider. And here's something to think about. I've said this before. This is very much a circumstantial evidence case. There's real no smoking gun, arguably. There's no recorded conversation between Lori, Chad, and as well as her deceased brother, Alex Cox, who's been accused of being the actual killer. There's no recorded conversation when they all agree to kill everyone. There's no real forensic physical evidence tying Lori to the killings. But what we have are strange comments, actions, questionable timeline of events that go towards things like consciousness of guilt, or they go towards it's reasonable to perceive Lori as being responsible or involved in what happened. That's the big evidence here. Which brings me now to the big bombshell. I would say it's Colby Ryan's testimony, but really what it is, is a phone call that was played in court for this jury, a recorded phone call between Colby and his mother, Lori, while she was locked up in jail. And as you'll hear, he confronts his mother directly about the deaths of his siblings. You think you can hide from me? So he comes out and straight up accuses her. Again, this is after the kids are found buried in Chad's backyard. And you hear when she says, you don't know what happened. Doesn't that suggest that she knows what happened? And she once again refers to this religious connotation and seeming justification. And you hear Colby begging her to explain this to him. Why 
This is incredibly heartbreaking to listen to, him trying to get these answers, how he found out what happened to his siblings, how he says he was kept in the dark. You can hear the pain, but you can also hear Lori becoming even more indignant. From a legal point of view, if she really felt justified, why not just come clean about what happened, right? Well, I think an argument could be made that she knows she's in legal trouble. She knows she's in trouble with authorities. She doesn't want to admit anything. That's called consciousness of guilt. Sure, a counter-argument could be made that maybe she didn't know what happened and she was lied to, maybe she was kept in the dark. Maybe, but we really haven't heard anything like that from the defense so far. Now, this part is really interesting. This is where Lori goes on to say how much she has been through. few things here. One way of looking at it is she really has these warped beliefs that maybe killing them was for their own benefit and that they still love her. That feeds into the prosecution's narrative of religious justification for the killings. There's also an argument to be made that when she talks about all the kids, all everything that they were going through, Ty Lee had pancreatitis, JJ had autism. Prosecutors have argued that, or at least suggested that these that these kids were inconveniences in Lori Vallow-Daybell's life, that she wanted to be free, be free with Chad. So she's talking about how much she's been through. But she is fully aware of how everyone perceives her. But she won't come out and exactly say what happened. But this knowledge that she apparently has of what happened is why prosecutors say she was a part of these murders and the plot to kill. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I'll say it as an aside. As you hear this kind of twisted logic logic and talking, you can kind of understand why Lori was deemed incompetent for a period of time. She was committed to a state hospital for months until she was deemed competent to stand trial. And to kind of give you an idea of that, this is heavy, heavy stuff in this conversation. But listen to what Lori does next. Yeah, you heard it right. She's laughing, laughing as they talk about the deaths of Lori's two children. So when we talk about mental health, something to think about there. Now, in this 12-minute call, I mean, I've tried to give you the highlights, but I just want to end on this one final exchange that is really something to hear. And it is so sad to hear him say that he would have taken these kids in. And Lori basically saying, oh, everyone says that now. They would have been there for the kids, but she was the one for them. Just another weird thing for her to say. And look, I can imagine that this wasn't helpful to her case. Now, on cross-examination, the defense tried to hit at Colby Ryan's credibility, citing a book that he wrote, him choosing to be part of a Netflix documentary. They also brought up a line that he said in the documentary where, he basically says Lori changed because of Chad. They even asked if he loved his mom. He says yes. He thinks that his mom still loves him. Now, I will end with this highlight. This highlight from Gigi McKelvey, who has been 
our reporter inside of the Ada County Courthouse. She's been our eyes and ears since there's no cameras allowed. And according to her, at one point, Colby Ryan looked over at his mother, Lori Vallow Daybell, while he was on the stand or getting off the stand and gave her a look of pure disgust. And that's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time.